0: Alright, well, hey, good morning. Uh, like Charlie said, my name is Mark. I want to start us out this morning with a with a question. Uh, how many folks in here really like country music? Oh, man. That's the first service, man. Like, nobody raised their hand. I'm like, what, what happened in here? You know, I have heard some folks here and there say, you know, that that, that those two words together are kind of an oxymoron, Oh. Um, you know, country and music. There was probably a time that, that I was a bit in that camp. But then I met Terry <coughs> and um and she listened to some country music, but she, she had gotten there uh but you know, because she had a lot of family who they actually played music, had played for a long time. Her grandfather had moved from California and had played with a, a lot of incredible country artists. Um, and so being around them and hearing them play and talking about that and listening to some of those artists on you know on their records and hearing them talk about interacting with them and it just kind of started to catch and so there were there's some of it now not all of it but but there's some of it that I that I really appreciate. And, um, and one of the things that's always kind of been, that happens in our house, when the CMAs come up or something like that, and there's some new artist that comes on the scene that is, I mean, arguably not country. <laughs> then there's this, like, like Terry's grandfather just kind of comes up in her, and, uh, and now in me, like, that's not, that's not country. That's, that's not country. Now, I mean, what, what are they even doing? You know, they're killing this, you know. There are songs, really incredible country songs about this, you know, that the whole you know genre is being destroyed with these people coming in, and it's not even country music. But then a few weeks ago, Terry just totally throws me for a loop when she plays this song, for me, uh, this new one that came out, "Old, Old Town Road." anybody heard this this song? It, it's it's by Little Little. Nas X, all right, <laughs> and uh, it's it's a, it's a rap song, but it, but they call it country. He he talks in it about riding a horse, and he also talks about driving his Porsche. And uh, and so there's some argument out there about whether this is a, a country song or not. What surprised me is Terry said it was country, which I'm I'm I'm, sti- I'm still confused about. That. So. But so so here's so here's what happened. In case you're not up on this news, you should totally listen to the song. I mean, it's it's gotten a lot of you know people really seem to like it. Um, so they called it uh, the Peoples That Be called it insufficiently country. But then Lil Nas X has a friend named Ski Mask the Slump God, and Ski Mask the Slump God backed Lil. Nazax and said, no, 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 it's, it's country. But nobody really believed Ski Mask, the, the slump guy. But then, who comes to save the day? Billy Ray. Billy Ray, Billy Ray Cyrus steps in, does a remix of it, and now, pff, yeah, of course it's country, because Billy Ray Cyrus did it, right? Um, so yeah, so it, it, it's... Whether it's country or whether it's not country, somehow it's got country elements and it has these rap elements and they're both existing in the same song and people seem to like it. I actually heard it on the radio yesterday and I was like, I mean, it, it made me kind of, you know, shake a little bit. It's something good about it. Somehow they were existing in the same house. And, you know, there's some times in, in the scriptures that we come across things that you look at it, and I've had these conversations with people ever since I really started following Jesus and trying to help anybody else follow him. Or somebody will throw out a verse and go, oh, but oh, well what about this one? It, well, there's no way that that works out with this. There's no way that, that those two things can coexist. So this is an obvious contradiction, right? And we hit one of those here in James chapter 2, one of those where there have been whole groups that have built what they do based on this, this little section and a few others. Like, hey, this is what the gospel is. And it's contrary to what we just spent all of our time walking through Romans, discussing this major theme of the scriptures, that, that salvation, that being made right with God, is only possible by grace, by the mercy of God, by His grace, through faith. In fact, the place that it says it the most clearly is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And this is, uh, really, this can sum up, you know, if you missed the Easter series, uh, this, this, these, this sentence, like, sums up everything that we talked about for weeks on end, because it's such a major theme of the scriptures that you can't get away from it. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. All right, so grace, getting something you don't deserve, through faith, by believing in something that you haven't seen, not something that you do. It's a gift, which would also indicate something that somebody else has done is given to you and that you didn't earn. Not the result of works, because if it was, then people would be puffed up and boastful about it, all right? So that's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Major theme of, maybe the, the, the major theme of scriptures, right? The good news, right there. Now let's read James chapter 2. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, and, and we're going to hit different parts of it here in a minute, so I'm just going to give us kind of a, a section here, just, just a few verses, but... I'm going to read it slow, so really follow with me and just let this, it, this passage isn't one that needs a whole lot of explaining. We could probably read it this morning and close our Bibles and go home, uh, but I'm going to try to bring a little bit of clarity, but so I'm going to read it slow and just let it do its damage. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body? It's a great question. What what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, oh foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. Faith apart from works is dead all right you'll, you'll see what it looks like those two, those two things ephesians two eight nine and, and James two are saying something a little bit different and what gets us caught up is if we just look at that with a microscope, we might be led there. but we know that this this major theme of scripture is this good news that it 's by grace through faith so so what 's happening there's a few big questions that that come out here from uh, from the second chapter of James, and I just want them, want us to ask them this morning, alright, so, so I'll throw the first one at you, what brand of faith saves? He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Can that brand of faith? Can that kind of faith, is that is that authentic saving faith? A faith that isn't backed by some action? It's a great question. I don't know about y'all, I, uh, I would, I'm open to the idea, some of you probably more than others, coupon cutters, you know, are using the, the off-brand of things. You know, if we can save a buck, we use the off-brand of things. Now, if I'm in the grocery store, I'm, I'm pulling that out and I'm, I'm taking the ingredients and I'm trying to see, does the off-brand, how much different is the off-brand than the real brand and am I willing to give up whatever that thing is to save the buck that I'm going to save? You know, and there are some things that are like that. Terry and I had a debate this week about I, I needed some, some sandals, and I was like, I'm going to buy these fake Birkenstocks. And she says, well, those aren't Birkenstocks. Your feet are going to hurt. And I'm like, well, the Birkenstocks, but, they're Bir- but they look like, no, they're not. So, like, we, we, is, am I willing to make that, that change? Uh, we've got a water filter in our fridge, and I bought the one that you were supposed to buy, but then I got tired of paying that much for that. And so I found the off brand. And when it showed up, the brand name is like Mr. Frosty H2O. And I kind of looked at it and was like, man, I, I don't, I mean, this is going to be the water my family drinks. Is Mr. Frosty, is he okay? He must be because I'm still buying him because he's a lot cheaper. <laughs> uh, I know one thing for sure. Early on, a trip we took to Mexico a long time ago, we picked up some Mexican vanilla. Anybody ever used the real Mexican vanilla? Man, there's no doubt. Like, I can go to the store right now and pick up some imitation, but I know it's imitation, man. And when we run out of Mexican vanilla, we're like, when's our next trip? Because you got, I mean, the cookie's out of Mexican I can put it in anything, man. Put it in my omelet, it makes it taste better. <laughs> you know, when you go camping, you know, like, if you've ever been camping on a cold night with a, ba- with a cheap off-brand sleeping bag... You regret it. I mean, you know, man, there's some times that it's worth getting the real deal because you're going to pay for it. If not, if you were going to skydive today, do you want the off-brand? We got got a guy in our church who was here first service, and he pulled me aside later, and he skydived a lot. And he's he's like, man, my first trip, I went up to him and said, they were asking me questions. Do you want this? Do you want that? And he was like, all of it whatever there is. (laughs) All those safety procedures, like, I'm gonna take this risk but I'm gonna mitigate it in all ways possible. So, man, whatever it is, yes, and whatever it costs, it doesn't matter, right, if you're gonna go skydiving. I made the mistake of going short and trying to go uh, off-brand on uh, our kids, the twins play set in the backyard. So, you know, you can go buy the set and it's got the real nice plastic slide and and they make that and that's beautiful and that's nice but it's pretty costly. And I had some wood laying around, so I I threw it together and made a it, I made something. Yeah, it's, it stands up, and they can climb up. And then I'm like, all right, slide. It really needs to slide. So I laid some boards down, and then I went and just got this sheet of plastic, like you would you would put up in a um, in a bathroom, you know, like in a bathtub. Just it looked like just a plastic, you know, sheet. And I glued it to the to the wood. And man, at, b- at first, they were just, <laughs> man, it was awesome. And it was bigger than the normal slide. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Five big slide. We got this slide. Until after one season, the sun melted all that plastic. And underneath it, it was fiberglass. And so we didn't realize that until Darcy comes in crying. And she's got shrapnel all up and down her leg. And I realized, you know, I, what, I probably should have gone with the brand there. Uh, you know, James asked a great question. Like, there is a, a brand. When we talk about saving authentic faith, there is a fake. It's some kind of something. You know, you believe and you but 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 real authentic faith, the kind of faith that saving faith compels a person to action. There's there's actions that follow it. You know, he asked a great question. Is can that faith, can that kind of faith that doesn't have any works to back it, can that is that the kind of faith that saves? It's a great question. The second question I see is, uh, what are the, the vital signs of true faith? So if you're looking at my life, if you're looking at your life, what are the signs of life? You know, we talked about through that Roman series that you step over from death. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life. So when a person... Places faith in Christ, they move from death to to life. so now, what are the signs of life that you can look at somebody that you can look at me and go, man man, there's genuine authentic faith because we see we see you know the chest raising up and down, we see the the pulse we 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 know you know um <laughs> I'm not a big office washer. I hear one of the episodes is about them doing c p r training <laughs> and uh and it always comes up when our staff tries to do CPR training, and it is hilarious. And wh- what I think is, I think it's better or worse uh, if you came to the Grove staff meeting like where we do CPR training because it's pretty hilarious, you know. But, but that's one of the things, like, man, you're looking down and you're asking the question, man, do, are, there, are there some signs of life here? If we were to evaluate your last week, are there some signs of this spiritual life? I mean, if I look at the deal, is it a flat line, or is there, is there, is there something there, you know? Some signs of, of life. You know, he talks to this more than once. Uh, he says, for the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is, is dead. Just like, uh, you know, a human, there's the soul, and if you take the soul away from the body, then there's, there's no life. Like, those, those two things, yes, they live in the same house. Like, they... They're connected. He he says it again earlier in this passage in verse seventeen. He says, "So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead." So he's made, basically made the same statement twice. It's, that's 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 dead. That's not real. But someone will say, "You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works." He says that there's some some signs of, of life. You know, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody, or maybe you have been the person that uh, smack-talked a little bit about something, you know? Like, you you, you talk like you had maybe uh, more ability than you actually had. If you've got some basketball players out here, you've probably seen that, Where some guy. It happens to us old guys sometimes. We talk a good game, and then we get on the court and find out, oh, yeah, we're, we're not, maybe, maybe that's what I used to could do, and I can't do what I used to could do, but... Uh, I remember one time, this uh, this fellow moved to our town, and he had, a, he had a truck, and it was a newer truck, because where we grew up, everybody drives trucks, right? And uh, But it was a newer truck, and it was a, kind of a fancy truck, and he told somebody that this truck had a, a Corvette chip in it. Now, I don't know what a Corvette chip is, and nobody else knew what a Corvette chip is. I'm not even sure he knew what a Corvette chip is, but, I mean, I pictured like a like A USB drive that had like a Corvette. You know, he stuck it in the engine, and it—I I don't know—but he, he started the rumor, and then it was like all over the place. Like, oh man, Kyle's got a Corvette chip in his truck. It's fast. Oh yeah, yeah. Do not want to race? He's got a Corvette chip, man. Watch out for him. He's got a Corvette chip. You know, everybody was talking. About, nobody really knew what a Corvette chip was. Anyway, this one dude just uh, you know, lived out on the farm and brought a farm truck and challenged Corvette chip guy to a race. So we went out to the place that we had this quarter mile and they, people would do that often. And uh, they lined them up and I could tell Corvette Chip Boy was worried. He was sitting there in his truck and he was kind of shaking and red faced, you know. And, uh, and then old farm boy and his buddies had the hood open and they weren't adding things, they were, they were pulling things out and throwing it. And I don't know what all they took off their engine but they did something that made it faster. And, man, when they went, like, Corvette dude was just in smoke. I mean, they, they just left him. I mean, they had mud tires on that truck. I mean, they just just left him. It was ugly. F- figured out, man, this guy had said that there was something really special inside this truck, but if it was there, it didn't show up that day, you know? There were no real signs that what he was saying was true was, was actually true. He was, just, he was just talking a good game. James says, what... What are these signs of life? Because if, if works aren't with the faith, then this, this thing is dead. It's non existent. You know, it made me think about uh, Lazarus, you know, the story of Jesus bringing this man back from the dead. And they open up the tomb. He just, I mean, it's like he opened up the tomb, and what if he is alive and he never walks out? You know, he just stays in the tomb. No, sign, no signs of life. Like, what's, what's the point in that? You know? Or Frankenstein goes through all the trouble to put this body together and shock it, and then it just lays on the table, you know. Like true faith, it it works. The next question. He mentions the demons in this passage. He said, and and it, we have to wonder what what can we learn from the demons. It seems like he's he's using the example of the demons to teach us something. He says, "You believe that God is one. You do well." But even the demons believe, and they shudder, which I think is interesting. You know, there's another passage in Acts 19. There's this exorcist that's, you know, he's exorcising this demon, and the demon speaks to him. And he's using Jesus' name. And the demon says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? I heard an old country preacher preach on that one time. He titled the sermon, Who in Hell Are You? (laughs) The demons are speaking back to this guy, going, I know Jesus. I don't know who you are. And James says it here that the demons, like, what is it to say, I believe in God? The demons believe in God. And what's more, they believe in him and know how incredible and big and powerful and awesome. And they, they know they're in trouble. And so they fear and shudder. It, it, when you come face to face with this living God, I mean, there's, there's only a right response of this fear. And then if, if you see His grace and realize His love, to know that He has taken all of that punishment on your behalf and has given you life to see His love, to see His power and fear, but to see His love and what He's shown to you, man, there's no way you walk away from that unscathed, right? Unchanged. You don't just roll out from that like nothing just happened. I mean, I, I remember the first time I went to the beach. I mean, do, do you go and see the ocean and, and walk away unchanged? You know, a few weeks ago in our men's night, we, we watched a little section of a documentary about a, uh, a, a climber who climbed without ropes uh, in Yosemite, uh, El, Capitan, El Capitan. It's 3,000 feet without ropes and the friend of mine who had told me about it when he told me about the documentary as he told it he was still kinda shaken and then I went and watched it I mean you're watching this guy climb this deal and at any moment he he can die you know and so he a couple times he kinda slips a little bit and you I mean I've never watched anything where I was on the edge of my seat like that A, a bird flies out at one point I mean, what if that bird, all that bird has to do is just cross him, and the dude's going to, I mean, he's going to fall 2,000, 3,000 feet, you know? The, in, in the documentary, the, the guys that are filming it, like, they're shaking, and they're looking at each other like, I don't think I can do this anymore, because they're watching him, and at any moment, he could, he could die. When we were showing it to the guys, I, I was watching the guys, because I'd already seen it, I was kind of watching everybody's face, and you could tell everybody in the room was kind of like that. Like, I mean, you know, right, they wouldn't do the documentary if he actually fought, but is he going to fall? You just don't know, you know? And it's, th- it, it, it's like you couldn't watch that and not walk away, like, shaking a bit, thinking, how in the world did that dude do that, you know? Well, how much more, when you come face-to-face with this God and his good news of grace through faith, how could you walk away and it just be another thing that you know or, you know? I mean, come on. I mean, we, we say we believe a lot of things at Christmas right? But how many of you guys went to your chimney and opened up the flue? You know? So there's things that we say, we believe, and then there's things that we, man, you you saw it, you encountered it, and it means that it elicits a response, you know? And there are signs of life. Then the last question. Says what? What exactly are the works that are expected? He mentions a lot of different things here. My my tendency would be to to say all right. Well, so what's the list then? If if there's some works that we're supposed to do, what is it? So I mean, give it to me. I'll I'll go down and do the checklist. Or how many how many works are required to to where I cross over and and now I've done enough. And, and what are those things? And if this person's doing those things, should I be doing the same things that he's doing or that she's doing, or is there some kind of different set for me? Or what are the things that are expected? And look what he says: "So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty," which I think is really important that he says this this law of freedom as people who have been redeemed, who deserved all the bad stuff. But by his incredible love and mercy are getting all the, the good stuff, people who are going to be judged as folks who have been set free. That kind of response. And whatever that, whatever that looks like. And he mentions a few things. You know, he starts out actually in chapter two talking about the, the sin of being partial, of when people come into the church, it says evidently this group, the people would walk in, the more wealthy, they would give the best seat in the room. And the poor folks, they would kind of just treat them differently. And he says, What are you doing? What are you doing? If you've, if you've really seen this thing correctly, then you know the only distinction is in God and people. But all the people, all the peoples in the, in the church, they're all on the same page. There's no distinction between these people, there's no discrimination in the church. Because if you understood this thing, then you know, hey, there's, there's God and there's people. <laughs> I'm not God. And me and you, we all in the same boat. So he says there's this sin of, of being partial. And he goes on to say, uh, in fact, we mentioned this a few weeks ago, James chapter 2, verse 10. He says, here's the way the law works. If you're guilty of breaking one of the, the commandments, you're guilty of breaking all of them. So here, here he even says, like, man, you've broken one, but you haven't broken this other. Well, if you've shown this, you know, if you've been discriminatory. It's the same as murder. God, it's e- it's either your God. That's the only di- the distinction: is God not God? And so if you're, so he's saying these things all weigh the same. So that sin that you're saying, well, that's no big deal. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I've had folks in my life, uh, especially from my background, that man, that I've heard that that's an awesome. He's an awesome dude, man. Now now he's he's a little racist, but you know he's an awesome guy, and he's, he's, you know everything's fine. No, 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 no. James 2.10 says, if you're guilty of breaking one, you're guilty of breaking all of it. And he just pointed out this is this the sin of being partial is a problem. And it's wrong. Let's call it what it is. So he says, for this group, a sign of life, of true, authentic faith, would be that you wouldn't show distinction between one another. He also says right after that about caring for the poor. You remember what he said? If you see somebody who's Who's in trouble, who's needy, and you, and you pat him on the back, and you're like, man, you be, it's going to be all right, man. You'll be warm and well-fed. I love it. James says, what is that? That's a joke. Come on. That's not authentic faith. That's not what authentic faith does. So you were poor and needy and in spiritual disrepair, and God comes to you, and on, he, he does everything and gives to you, and then you're going to say... Go get him, man. What? And do nothing about it? So he points to, to showing no distinction and to caring for the poor. And then he brings up Abraham. Remember what he says here? Which I think, is, especially for this audience, was huge. He said, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And Scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. So he uses Abraham as this example that that Abraham believed, and he believed so much that when God revealed to him that this was something that he needed to do, this this son of promise, that I'm going to sacrifice him, and I believe so much that God is good and that he's going to that I'm going to move and do this thing, believing that God, we've talked about this before in here, that God's going to do something. I think the faith of Isaac's even more amazing than the faith of Abraham, that Isaac was grown enough that he could have fought and allowed it to happen. That just blows my mind. But what does that say? Does that mean that the act that we're supposed to do, the work, is to take my, my son and go find a hill? To sacrifice? No, I don't, th- I, don't think, I don't think he's saying that we're supposed to act like Abraham. But this was the thing that Abraham was directed to do, and then for this group, he's like, "Well, they may, they may think, well, Abraham, he's the father of the nation." All right? So he comes right back and says, "Or another example, Rahab, and he even goes on, Rahab, the the prostitute. What did what did Rahab do? Well, Joshua sent the the spies into Jericho, and she protected them, and and sent them out, and and told a lie to the to the authorities, to make sure that they were safe, And it says that this was her act of, of faith. This was, she believed, and so she did this thing. And so what exactly is it? Well, it seems to me like the theme is, what is it? You tell, you tell me. What is the good thing that God has revealed unto you to do? Now, there are the commands and the things for sure. We're not going to be partial. We're going to care for the poor. How many poor? Which poor? You, I don't, you you're following Jesus let him reveal it to you but when he reveals it to you a sign of true faith is that you do something about it you don't just talk about it you don't just say I believe and then not act to me those two things they live under the same roof and they don't they don't conflict you know I, I made a run back at the day at being a cowboy and it didn't it didn't go very well obviously I had, I had some buddies that were actual cowboys. And, uh, you know, they actually wore cowboy jeans. I had boots, but I had non-cowboy jeans. And non-cowboy jeans don't work with boots, in case you haven't tried that. And they had belts with actual buckles, big buckles, that they had won at actual rodeos. I didn't, I didn't have that. Uh, they had pickups that looked a lot cooler than mine. And, um, and we would go to rodeos, and they would actually ride the bulls and I would, I would watch. But then when I really knew, I mean, we were watching Young Guns and Tombstone and Eight Seconds. If you've ever seen any of those, you watch one of those, and I'm walking out, like, I'm your huckleberry. You know, you, I got this. If you haven't seen those movies, you should really watch them. But, uh, but I went riding one day, and I, I do love to ride horses, and I was riding with this friend of mine, and, and we rode out in this pond for the horses to take a drink, and his horse was taking a drink, And my horse just decided that it was going to lay down in the water. And so I just fell out in the pond. And that's the day while I'm out in the middle of this nasty pond looking up at my buddy and he's just laughing with his big cowboy hat on top of his horse. I decided, you know what, I'm not a cowboy. I I am a fake. And so I'm just going to quit trying to be a fake anymore, you know. I'm just going to call it what it is. We would miss this passage horribly if this morning we didn't each ask ourselves the question, Is this thing that we say we believe, are there signs of life? Are there signs of life? Is our faith working? And you might think faith works sounds like an oxymoron, but it is not. It is not. Genuine faith, it, uh, it causes us to do things. If our great God has done this incredible thing, you can't just walk out the door and not to begin to look and act like Him. The ingredients on the box are the, the attributes of Christ. And the true follower of Christ, their ingredients start to match up. So I'm going to challenge you this morning over the next few minutes as we sing these songs to ask, to ask yourself the question. And really, it's easy to kind of look back over life. Let's, let's rein it in a bit and look back over maybe the last, the last week and ask that question if I, if I look at it, is it just a flat line? Or are there some, some signs of, of life, of true, genuine, authentic faith in this incredible God who has done this incredible thing on our behalf and does have some expectations of us in return, you know? Let me pray for us. Father, I, I'm thankful that you didn't just, um, you know, save us and then have no expectations. <laughs> There are things that, that you're doing on the planet and we are your body and we represent you. And, uh, and I know that you expect that we will follow and we begin to look and care for people and be your hands and feet. And so, um, Father, I pray that this morning that you would reveal to us the degree to which our faith is authentic. And if it is something that it was just, it's just been something that's up in our head, it's never really moved to our heart and to our hands and feet, I pray that you would reveal that to us and draw us to yourself and grant us that genuine faith to believe and actually follow. That we would be a group of people that don't just talk a lot. We would be a group of people that begin to look like you. To your glory. Amen.